It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, I'm Evan Jensen. Welcome to Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio, your one source to dial. Today we have a very famous and popular Edwin F. Becker, author of True Haunting, True Haunting uh, 2, and several other books. Today is a discussion that perhaps may be long overdue. Um, it's it, The discussion is going to involve the seriousness of people involved in the paranormal and how and if it affects their daily lives. With the, with the uh, misfortune of recent events and events that have happened over the past couple of years, the question has been asked repeatedly, but nobody seems to be able to answer them. So I turned to a trusted, confident friend who I consider a very brave advisor in the paranormal. That's Edwin F. Becker. We have him in studio today. Let's welcome Edwin F. Becker, and of course, our host for the show is Kelly Griffin. Kelly, Edwin, welcome to Beyond Reality. Good afternoon, Eva. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. It's a pleasure having you on again, Edwin. I, I, I know, short notice sort of thing today. Um, all I can say is, you know, thank you and express our thanks. And, and I couldn't think of anybody uh better to discuss the situation i know that because of your haunting that you experienced in a small chicago suburb your own personal experience that is in two novels now uh true haunting i figured it was a good source because of what you went through and how the paranormal case you had had actually uh affected your life and the lives of others it was actually in the inner city. It wasn't in a suburb. Yeah, it was a very old building. Uh, but when you live in a city like Chicago, and I, and I get emails from New Yorkers and, and to various parts of New York and, and uh, even Baltimore, uh, where Kurtz's out in that area. If you live in these neighborhoods where in Philadelphia where you have hundreds of year old houses, someone's going to have to roll the dice and tell me which one doesn't have a spirit in it. You yeah. know, they're not all going to be malevolent or active, uh, but they'll be there, you know, because uh, they used to have funerals in the living rooms. And uh, uh, there's quite a few. I mean, ghosts are, are very, they're plentiful, actually, uh, in a benign form. Say that again, Edwin. I, I, you broke up on the last little bit there. I said ghosts are a common, actually, in a, but most are benign. You know, most of them are, are benign. They don't want to hurt you. You just leave them alone and ignore them if, if you're aware of them. So how do you think that ties in, Evan, with the paranormal and these people that are out there ghost hunting and they're going into locations that they know are said to be haunted? There may be even some really creepy things going on. How do you think that would tie in with what these researchers are doing 
Um, do you think that they're actually in danger that, you know, they're going to these places? Oh, absolutely. No, there's no question about it. There, you know, I, I won't mention names on the radio, no. uh, but I know of people that have just been just des- destroyed their lives. You know, I, I mean, literally destroyed their lives because it becomes an obsession and all their money goes toward it and all their thinking goes toward it and all their logic and reading and everything is, is buried in uh, in these activities. And uh, there's no doubt it affects your life and it's not going to do it in a positive way. I mean, you don't have to be Sigmund Freud to figure that out. You dwell on something negative and you're going to wind up going there. That's a fact. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, a lot of it is uh, is influenced, you know. And I haven't heard of anybody. Oh well, yeah, I guess I did hear of someone killing them or, or being killed. But what I have heard is people who destroyed their life, where they they lose all their friendships, they quit their investigation group, they lose all interests. I know one fellow who he's actually a young man. He put on, now he's, uh, he stays home almost fetal, and he put on 150 pounds, and he's, oh. you know, he claims life is over for him. At, at 26 years old, life is over for him. Yeah, he's pretty young. Why would life just begin in your, your mid-20s? Yeah, and I, I, I knew him five years ago when he was an optimistic young man. He wanted to form an investigation group, which I, I warned him against, Uh you know, the odds are that you're going to be okay, but if you run into that one spirit that wants to cling to you, you're up shit creek in plain English. Uh, and apparently he did. So, you know, he lost, he quit college, he lost his job, he had a, a number of misfortunes. Now he feels like his life is over. He's, you know, gained 150 pounds. Uh, he's, when he posts on Facebook, it's very fatalistic postings. You know, I'm waiting to see that one post that uh, I, 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 I'm afraid of, okay? Uh, yeah, the, the one that, you know, that we've heard all too many times now, such as the article that I just released for the Paranormal Herald, Evan, where the young woman uh, was murdered, you know, by her husband. It's the same story, almost identical to the Constantino story. And in fact, the Constantino story is almost identical to... My former co-host, Bill Watson, that was his wife murdered him. So it's not just men doing it, it's women doing these things, too, that are deeply involved in the paranormal aspects of of these hauntings and, and, and research and so forth. And it makes you wonder, you know, just how much or how many times they have, and I don't like using this term too much, but played with the devil, so to speak. A, a lot, because we, we, you don't want, what we hear is nothing. We hear a smidgen of what's going on out there. Uh, there's there's 3,000 groups registered, investigation groups, on uh, Paranormal Societies, Inc., and there's probably another at least 1,000 to 2,000 that are unregistered. I meet people every day, and I, I know hundreds of people who are in investigation groups, and I know tens of people who've had their lives ruined. All right, And if a uh, an unknown group, let's say, one of their members commits suicide. We'll never hear about it. We'll never hear about it. And if the group is unknown, no, you know, no one will take note that they were a member of a group in the first place. 
so you know a lot of these people are negatively effective and and they just they're under the rug uh, under the radar we don't hear about them and uh i hear about a number of tragedies from from friends of mine and from other investigators where uh things happen you know uh but you know what do you, what what do you expect it's like uh there have been other hobbies I've had where where uh, people become obsessed with the hobby, and you know they live and, and breathe for their hobby. And uh, martial arts was one where I, I knew a number of martial artists. Their whole life was martial arts. Everything was martial arts. They spent all their time, all their money on equipment, and, and uh, you know their spare time at tournaments. They ignored their family. And, you know a lot of things can do it to you, not just paranormal. Uh, you know, an Xbox can do it to you. I can't tell you how many women I, I've heard from that they can't get their husband off the damn Xbox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and that's where the spare time goes. And, uh, you know, much like Pokemon Go, I mean, uh, I haven't drank tap water since 1977, all right? I truly uh-huh. believe that there's something in the water because... When I saw these people with Pokemon Go walk off piers, walk off cliffs, <laughs> get get hit by cars, all right? Yeah. I, I yep. just, you know, I, I went nuts. I, I, I said, these people, now they've really lost it. And then I find out that they're actually paying for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They got well, yeah, to roll the ball at some little character, right? saw a lot of these people in Milwaukee and there's a favorite hangout every night. You can see 50, 60 people there, sometimes 20 or 10, but they're always there. And they're collecting the little Pokemon and they walk around the city with their hands held in their hand, you know, their cell phones held in their hand. They're looking at their, their, you know, their cell phones. I have seen people walk through the telephone poles. Uh, I've seen people walk right out in front of cars. I got to walk out in front of a bus. Uh, another guy that I I laughed on this one because he walked right out. He walked right out in front of a cop. Well, the cop did a UE, turned around and gave him a big old fat citation. I'm like, well, that was worth chasing the Pokemon, I guess. But yeah, you're right. And you know, well, well you know, there, there's a there's a, a synergy between that and, and investigators because investigators, in a way, are playing the same Pokemon Go. They, they've got electronic equipment and they're chasing these things that they really can't see. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, investigate Kurt's not, Are you still here, Kurt? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm just listening. I mean, you know yourself. You've broken the law. To, to, yeah, let's not to, talk about that. And, 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 and many investigators have. I mean, they go into places well, we, that, we that said say. We, yeah, we, we said we've done it, but we don't recommend it by, by doing that. In some of the places I've known people who've owned the, the land or the house, that we went in and uh, did, but I don't make a habit of it. How about that? And, but some groups make a huge habit of that. And I don't buy it. I don't, what pisses me off the most are these groups that go to these cemeteries and deface cemeteries. And I even said that on our show that, you know, I find that to be of the utmost disrespect that like anybody could have. And it's just my own take on it because I've seen that, I've seen groups, it's a little different in England where uh, my co-host most from, uh, where they can do it and get away with it. And I said here, 
And now I was telling him before the show, I said, dude, we call it a B&E, man. That's breaking and entering. I never would break and enter somebody's house or something like that. I worked in a, I worked in a, um, a house museum built in 1815. You can pull it up. Supposedly haunted. I've had a couple incidences, small incidences, but nothing, nothing really to say I could say it's really haunted. But, you know, there's all these stories around there that it's all haunted. But as you were saying that, you know, a lot of people have lived there. A lot of people have died there. There have been uh, funerals in the parlor. There's, you know, and you know this stuff when you're working at a place like this. But, um, and I never did any real, like, heavy investigation there. So our- no, I'm not, I'm not indicting you, okay? Believe, believe me, <laughs> I, 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 I know a ton of investigators from Louisiana all the way to, to Massachusetts to California. And a lot of them do. A lot of them don't care about the boundaries or the laws. You know, it's much like the people who sneak across the fence on Area 51. I, will not, I would not uh, do that. Yeah, I, not, I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't if, do that either. If the cemetery's locked, I don't jump the fence. I go home or I'll go somewhere else for the night, you know, to hang out. Or, you know, I, I can't justify it. You know what I'm saying? It's weird. But some cemeteries or graveyards, the difference is the graveyards are by churches and cemeteries are separate. Um, I just learned that, actually, by the way, on a tour I did. I was like, I never knew that. But aside from that, yeah, you go in. I like to do more cemeteries now. I'm getting older, more for genealogy purposes of local area. But I'll bring, I'll bring some kit with me. You know, it depends on millimeter, you know, rum pottery. But nothing, I don't do, and I don't advertise it. I don't put it on Facebook. I don't put it on YouTube. I don't, none of that would ever be done. You know, and I and I find the people that do do that, you're screwing the pooch. My apologies for saying that, but you're screwing the pooch. You're to get yourself arrested. You have your face on there. You're not allowed in that place. You're screwing the pooch. I mean, Jesus, come on now, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I, no. I can go on a tangent, but I'm not. The, the thing yeah, that no, uh, you you have to be careful, you know, where you're going, what you do, and you do, you do. You know, you do. It, it, you know, but again, now I'm not changing the subject here at all. This is a good topic, too. Is uh, I wanted to talk a little bit of obsession. We were talking about, you know, the dangers, really, you know, the effect that you can have, uh, what, you know, what can happen to you. You can go into an investigation and, you know, let's say it's a tough one. You don't get the evidence, you, you know, that you want or you, you, the case just doesn't settle for some reason. You keep going back over and over again, emails, phone calls, you know, you're going back and forth, you're sharing the information, you're looking at your EVP stuff, you're looking at audio footage, all that. Pretty soon it becomes an obsession because you're thinking about it daily, all the time, you're going back and forth again. Um and I'm wondering, isn't this part of what really can lead, uh, you know, into the dangers of, of this ghost chasing? I mean, because once you get obsessed, and I talk about obsession being part of this this whole process with the demonic and so forth. I mean, you have possession and you have oppression and it's first and you have possession. But obsession should be talked about in its formality, because it's the beginning step to really getting into some very serious trouble that well, you don't I, want to be in. I, I agree with you, you know, and 
paranormal in the last five years has gone to hell in a handbasket, actually, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But, you know, we've come up with all these categories, and we've got obsession and depression and demonic this and demonic. It's all a bunch of BS, okay, yeah. uh, as, as far as I'm concerned. I did my episode on the demons, and I've, I've studied demons. So unless anybody wants to go toe-to-toe with me technically, uh, I read the Catholic 1946. I've got an exorcism manual. I yeah. kind of know about demons, okay? And, and you have all this crap about demonic dolls and demonic railroad trains and uh, all you know, de- demons in empty houses. A demon has to have a vessel and a soul to take to hell. And one of the signs that you'll see, I mean, that is evident in a couple of the cases that Evan mentions, is that is suicide, suicide or murder. You know, and when you watch your news, when you see a man who's described as a good neighbor, we never heard anything from him, he's always been kind, but somehow he comes home one day and does everything against common human nature. He kills his wife, his children, and commits suicide. Can I ask me, a question? Isn't it supposed to be like a rare thing to even come across something so demonic on a regular basis? To come, well, come, define come across. Meaning like, let's say I was to be investigating a couple places throughout the year, let's say 30 places in the year. You know, there are people out there who say they investigate and it's almost every house they go to, they say, oh, there's something demonic there, there's something demonic. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, isn't they're, it they're, rare they're, to come across they're, something they're, demonic? Like, not impossible, but... They're you know, delusional. You see all these TV shows as everybody's spitting out like how there's a demonic presence here, and I'm like, it's funny. Like every show, they have some demonic people or investigators come up and say there's always a demonic presence in every yeah. investigation they go to. Yeah, they're, they're delusional. I mean, they're absolutely delusional, and, and I call it like an adult form of Dungeons and Dragons. Where, you know, I, I know I know a couple of <laughs> demonologists where they a couple of demonologists put on special uniforms and they they got their computer certificates and all that crap. I defy anybody. I got a thousand dollar bill. Anybody you can tell can prove to me that there's at least, there's ten valid exorcisms in the United States in the coming year. I'll give them a thousand dollars. The thing Damn. is, I, I might. All right, th- there won't be ten valid exorcisms <laughs> in, in this year. Oh no, I don't expect that. Like I'm, I'm a medium, and I go and work with a lot of people, and I have yet to come across anything that is considered demonic that I have seen. You know, I can't yeah, yeah, I mean, that. I'll be honest with you. You'll get something demonic. If you but, come across something demonic, you're know not going to be here right now. There is a force that you cannot understand. Let me just say this about the demonic. You think you're talking to a demonic or a, a demon. Well, demons have entire legions of other demons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't come alone. They have entire armies under their armies, under their armies. And I think Edwin will verify this. Yeah, they're, they're, and, and demons, there's a whole hierarchy, you know, to hell. Uh, and, and demons have different personalities. Okay, some are violent. Some are just hungry. I mean... You can see examples of that in our in our society where, you know, they, they say obesity is a problem. I agree obesity is a problem in America. We've got a lot of nice food. and I could easily yeah. be obese if I didn't watch my weight. But when you see somebody who goes beyond that into the 1,000-pound range, all right, 
now we're talking somebody who probably needs to be exercised. You know, because all demons, all demons are not. Or I'm going to kill you. Some of them just. Some of them feed what their their own taste. So you do have demons that are you know alcoholic. Some are violent. Some are sexual. Uh, you'll have different different demons for different things, and uh, not that you know. What I think is probably most common in haunted houses and what people run into is malevolent spirits. Because you can have a malevolent spirit, and it it can propel things. It can certainly give you the willies. It can attach itself to you. And there's a lot of malevolent spirits, but very few demons. You know, I I had a message the other day from a fellow who, he claims to be an exorcist, okay? Uh, And he he told me he's working on a case where he's got a girl, and she's got nine demons in her. Oh, crap. Are you sure name's Sybil? He told me the story, you know, and I, as best I could, I, I don't want to offend anybody. And I told him, you know, good luck with that. Uh, but you know, there's you're not going to have two demons in a person. One demon, one soul. All right, that's how it's going to work. Now he can pretend like he's two de- demons, you know, like a civil where she can have different personalities. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you're going to have one one controlling interest in that, and. Uh, Historically, I mean, I, I'm not talking about movies, okay? I'm talking about historic documentation. You're not going to find one where there's multiple demons. You know, there just is none. There's, right. there's a few places I've gone to work at where I was called in, and people truly believed they were being haunted by demonic forces, scratched, I, bruised, all those things. I think a when lot I of come that, in, though. I'm like, you know, you guys got to remember that spirits were once oh. human beings. So in the afterlife, yeah, they can hide themselves. Yes, blame, they can themselves, and they can appear demonic-like, but it's not uh, very common to, to actually come across a lot of that. No, blame oh. TV for, I blame TV for um, also another thing. It's, it's a religious aspect, too. Let's yes. say I'm not Christian. I maybe believe in the jinn, but in a sense, I, I'm agnostic and almost atheist. I don't believe in demons. I believe people are naturally messed up in the head. I mean, you know, the oh, shootings, the okay. killings, and, and and that. I mean, I, I believe well, there's a gray area, but I, you, I don't believe in that. You, you and, should listen to my episode, Kurt, because that becomes the d- dilemma today of a true exorcist. Yeah. You know, it, number uh-huh. one, number one, anybody who approaches anybody and says, uh, I think I'm possessed or I think I have demons, they don't. Because there's no. no way a demon is going to let him let you call for help. He's got you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So you know anybody who says I'm possessed or I need help, I got they, they've got a problem. And in our society, yeah. in our society, you know you got to rule out. I, I wouldn't want to be an exorcist because if if I if someone called me in, number one, it's always going to be an intercession. That person is yeah. not going to call me themselves. So you got to make sure that you're within legal boundaries of whatever that, that this is uh-huh. going to happen. But is a person mentally ill? Number one. Yeah. Number two, are they on? There's two thousand legal medications that uh-huh. can warp warp a person's personality. So you got to go through the medications and right down to simple heart medications. You know, are they on any medication? Then you got to kind of dig in the background and find out because they're not going to admit it. Are you taking illegal drugs? You know, because my son was yeah. a cop. 
My son-in-law's a cop, and he's faced meth addicts where they say, you know, okay, officer, arrest me. And then all of a sudden their voice changes, and they go, I'm going to kill you, you know. And he tells me these stories. I laugh my ass off, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know if they watch too much Paranormal Witness or, or whatever, but uh, people yeah, believe yeah, these I, things. I agree with you, Kurt, that there's a huge, it's a huge media influence. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm looking at, because nothing brings, like, nothing brings, like, ratings, like anything, not even demonic, which you said earlier, Ed, uh, malevolent, or mm-hmm. whoever said malevolent. You, you see that on TV. It's not always like that. And I, I don't, I don't know. I just think people are so attached to m- mass media. And some of these people I'm saying aren't the sharpest knife in the bunch that can't think outside the box. But you know that you and all, you, you guys all know, you guys all know that, you know, you got to make, like Ed was saying, you got to look at the mental state of the person. Is there schizophrenia? Could it be uh, multiple personality disorder? Could it be bipolar disorder, one and two, and there's another one, which I forget. But, you know, and, and the drugs that they take, because I I used to go see a psychiatrist, and I asked him, I go, can you hallucinate? He goes, in severe cases of bipolar disorder, you can you can hallucinate. So, I mean, what is there? I don't know. I'm at a loss. So Yeah, and even if you're a healthy human being, I mean, one, the first thing, uh, if you take a child, six, seven years old, give them a bowl of chocolates and watch what happens. They're going to eat until they puke, all right, uh, or have a stomach ache. Uh-huh. We, are, we are creatures of excess, okay? I mean, all of us want that next drink. All of us want that last piece of pizza. You know, more is good. And, and, you know, the devil made me do it. It is a lame excuse many times for our own inability to have personal discipline. Yeah. Uh, and that gets confused, you know. And when a person like, uh, I, I, I don't know who you are, Mama something or other. Who, me? Medium. Yeah. Mama um, Joe. We never, we never met, but Mama Joe. Yes. You know, when when a person starts to blame something negative, okay, yep. then their mind goes with it. That's it, right. They they free themselves, and it's like, okay, it's not my fault. It's yeah. this, it's this tendency, this thing that's got control of me. It's a, it's it, it's just an excuse. It, uh, <laughs> you know, so so you're fighting that tendency too. That you're, you're that we're human beings. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll take whatever comes at us. I mean, uh, God, when I was a teenager, I couldn't get enough beer. You know, the devil, you know, the devil didn't have a damn thing. The devil didn't have a damn thing to do with it. It, it was a you know unquenchable thirst. <laughs> I think the problem is is that with TV and ratings, it just I always tell people. When you look at things like this, you've got to take it with a healthy respect, knowing that maybe one out of 30 shows, that might be realistic. But all the others, I mean, ghosts aren't on command. You can't sit here and say, make a noise, we're videotaping for TV, you know. And then with all of society watching these shows, I mean, 10 years ago, you weren't seeing anything from Ghost Adventures or Most Haunted. Nobody was even talking about it. But today, apparently, there are people by the drones who are saying, we have a new TV show, every channel 
has got a new TV show about ghost hunting, and every week, look what we caught on video, you know. So people do tend to get carried away with it to a point now at home, you know, some of the clients I call me and say, you know what, I have a demon in my house. And I'm like, okay, what did you watch in the last, you know, six months? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was thinking, I'm sitting here listening to this, and it, it's dawning on me how dangerous that power of suggestion can be to people. You know, if, if some if a group comes in and tells the person, you know, you you definitely have a demon. What that you know, for instance, I went to one of the you know best known um, traveling <clears throat> exorcists. Well, I can't remember his name. Do y'all remember you know who I'm talking about? Um, anyway. uh, Bob's oh, brother. Yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> so, Bob Larson? <laughs> yeah, Bob Larson, yeah. that's it. Um, um, so, um, I'm getting fired up. Don't get me fired up about that. Evan, Evan, listen to this. <laughs> I'm sitting on the front row. And he walks out, and I had a couple of friends that really drug me there. They wanted to go see him, so I went. I'm sitting on the front row. He comes up, looks straight at me, and uh, he says, I see a demon. And I went, oh, God. Was he, was he so, looking at you when he said that? Oh, he walked right over to me with that cross and put it on my head. I, I would have okay. loved that because I, I, I would have said to him, yeah, well, I see a freaking idiot. <laughs> well, I didn't start, you know, I didn't start you, screaming. You that, then you should have just kicked him right in the nuts. Well, I didn't react to that because I that think that's... I would have no. been like, well, I see demons too. It's in my purse. It's called a vodka whiskey. <laughs> right? Well, it's in a flask. <laughs> he tried to... He tried to get me to, I guess, react, but I, you know, I just sat there and kind of stared at him, and he just hit me in the head with the Bible and everything he does. Oh. And he said, he looked at me. He said, "You're going to have to get rid of that." And I was like, "Okay." So my friend and my daughter are looking at me like, "What? <laughs> We're going home with you?" Oh and, my you goodness! Know, yeah, so that could. Well, just like that, I always say, you know, if God wanted my money, I'll give it to him when I get there. Otherwise, I'll have enough to buy an air conditioner for when I go to hell. Oh, man. Nice. I like that. I like that. Well, actually, he was begging about being poor, and uh, he was begging for money, and he was pleading with uh, every radio station in the city of Portland to get his own show here. And they drummed his ass so far out of Oregon, he went to Idaho, and we never seen him back. That's true fact. But anyway, that's Bob Larson for you. But you well, know, well, I, I well, can't he's imagine. Teaching, you know? He's teaching the kids, though. That's the worst thing about it. He's yeah, got these yeah. teenage girls that are, are teenage girl exorcists. I mean, it's something <laughs> off of, like, Lifetime Channel. And it, 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 to me, it drives me up a wall every time I see the guy. I want to get him on my show to ambush him. That's all I want to do is ambush him. <laughs> Doesn't it make you wonder if these people, these people that do these things, how do you know? How do you know that they're not demonically oppressed in some way? I mean, you know, the demonic does work in these ways. It draws people in, and it suckers them in, and it uses people. I'm telling you. I think Edwin uh, kind of can explain, you know, a little bit more about that. He has in the videos that he's made too. If you haven't watched his videos, you got to go to his YouTube channel because he talks about this very stuff. Now, Edwin. Some of it, yeah. yeah, well, I only had 20 minutes. My producer limits me to 20 minutes because it's kind of magic. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you guys watch when you guys watch a sitcom, okay, it's a half an hour long. It's actually twenty two minutes mm-hmm. of of airtime, and they'll they'll break it up because it's been scientifically proven that the longest attention span of of, of our current society is about ten minutes. Yeah, sure. So, Real so short. The, that's the most you're ever going to see is ten minutes, and you're going to run commercials and let yeah. your brain recover, and then they'll run, you know. So my producer says 20 minutes and that's it, But so I only had a short 20 minutes. But I cut right to the chase in, in my episode uh, because I ha- I meet too many people. In fact, uh, you know, Evan, as you know, I've been off the radio. The last, yeah, program, I, the last program I was on, I, I, I didn't know the background of my two hosts, and I guess I insulted the hell out of them uh, because we... we <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talked. They, they started talking about ghost chasing, and uh, I, I I have a, a theory. Uh, it's not a broad theory. It's not in every single case, but I'm writing a third book right now based on thousands of emails, and it's taken me hundreds of hours to sort them, categorize them, and, and what do ghosts do? Okay, and, and I'm, what, what I'm finding out is ghosts do very very common. Similar things, regardless of where they are, whether they're in America or Scotland or, or UK or Australia or Philippines. Uh, and I'm doing a lot of research, but one, in my research, it, it revealed a whole bunch of stuff. Number mm-hmm. one, number one, I found I found that women are far more honest and sensitive to these things. Yeah. You know, men are in denial. Now, why are men in denial? Because um, we will never admit that we cannot control our domain. No, never. You know, you got to be hit with a sledgehammer, you know. So, and that's what happened to Marsha and I, you know, forty-five, six years ago. She was sensitive and and, and aware, and I was in denial. You know, it was my house. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no ghosts in this house. Uh, I'll kick them out. You know, that's that was my young, arrogant attitude. And you find out that you know what I do find out is that most investigators and Kurt, you can. Uh, Start to do your uh-huh. own poll on this. The vast majority are over forty years old. Yeah, it's almost like I hope there's an afterlife because I'm getting to that point. You know. Well, what well, I mean? okay, bingo! You just hit my answer because once I started to analyze it, I realized what happens at forty. When I was forty, you know, my wife, my wife hit forty, and she went through her things where she's looking for wrinkles and gray hairs and. And, and, you know, starting to uh, regret aging, you know. And I you know, still want to prove I'm young, and I, I got myself a convertible and, you know, and started playing uh, sports and stuff. And, and uh, But you realize you're middle age, and you start to see the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. for the first wait, time in your life. You know, you're, you're wait, not in... Wait a minute, did you say middle age or middle age? Middle age. Middle age. Okay, you know you're forty. You're you're forty. You're middle age, and you start to see the end. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, if you go by the actuarial tables for a man that's eighty to eighty-four years old, so I think a lot of the investigators. I'm not saying all, but there's a huge majority there that would love to confirm that there is an afterlife. You know that, yeah. that the end of the line is not the end of the line. No, it's it's all about fear. You know what's coming. You know, you're asking. Now, you know, all, all they got to do is call me because I've died twice, and I know there's an afterlife. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And have you we know. really found out more answers? You know, that's what I've been noticing lately. From the moment he started his show, people started getting really 
the world just blew. You're cutting out. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I just wondered how, how far have we really come? I mean, we know that there's an afterlife, and that's about it. You know, there's... But we it's haven't never really been gotten... scientifically proven at the same time. No, but, but I it, think also there's a religion that people like to pull in religion with this. So well, now they're yeah, religion, out. yeah, that's true. But it's a lot of these NDEs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, near-death experiences and stuff like that. that it's, it still hasn't been proven. As in the paranormal ghosts, again, there's not, the golden chalice has not been found. So, I mean, we don't know until we go. You know, that's bottom line is what my take is. When we go, we go. You know, I don't know where we go, but <laughs> hopefully somewhere cool. I just don't well, want to go anywhere <laughs> uncool. All I know is, hey, you know, on that subject, all I know is, you know, I can remember being a boy between uh, all eight and, and 11, um, you know, and I'll just talk briefly about it. What made me a believer is my brother, being older than me, obviously, he was just on his uh, beginning relationship with his wife that he is with now. Um, they move out into the country in Clackamas, Estacated. They rented a home from a guy, and then he started working for the guy at the same time. It was an old 1860-ish um, country-style house, two levels, um, unfinished basement, and uh, it sat on rolling hills on 60 acres. What a lovely place, right? Um, but, you know, that's where I became a believer. I mean, what I saw, I cannot uh, deny existed. I saw it. My brother saw it, my mom saw it, relatives saw it, uh, you know, friends that came over saw it. Eventually, after about a month or two, people stopped coming over because it was pretty horrific. I mean, I'm talking about eyes that were white and yellow that were appearing in from the inside uh, of the house. As I remember, see, with me, I used to spend a lot of time with my brother because... I came from a separated, you know, a broken home. My, my dad had been remarried, and my mom had gotten um, remarried, and so forth. So I kind of went in between people. And when the parents, either mom didn't have it, then I was with my brother a lot of the time, actually. Well, that's where that happened, and it stuck with me to the very day. It wasn't just that. But when you physically see things, and then you have others see things, you know, how do you deny that? I mean... Okay, there was a lot of, you know, questions, and, and people were skeptics back then, big time. You know, you make, I'm 50 years old now, so imagine how long that was. Okay. Yeah, you, you make a good point. You make a good point on that, Evan, um, because a lot of if I'm, I'm saying if there is out there, I'm saying a lot more of it would be not malevolent, but more or less over and over, you know, the record playing over and over. You know, for for what you see, because what they did in life, what you did in life, I'd see you walking to the door, or I'd catch a glimpse of you raiding the fridge, or, you know, just, you know what I'm saying? That's that's the way I I look at a lot of the ghosts and the paranormal, when people freak out and stuff like that, that, you know, that lives were lived, and there are multiple, and I'm a believer in multiple dimensions. 
that they're like up to 13 multiple dimensions. I was watching the show on it the other night and yeah. made a lot made a lot of sense to me about the dimensional thing. And it was non-religious, so it was it was to me it was interesting. But I guess you know they say as kids, you know you're open more at that age too mm-hmm. to see things than let's say me who's well, been told my whole life it doesn't exist, but I go out and look for nothing anyway. People are, you know, people people are always going to come up with uh, different types of theories, Uh and and they're going to explain it. You know, I'm not a believer in multiple dimensions. Okay, Uh I I, I, in my life, uh, I am a believer in reincarnation. Okay, because I uh, grew up in Chicago. I loved when I traveled as a musician. I traveled south and and west. Uh That's where I I met my wife. I hated going east of Chicago. You know, there were just crap all the cities. And uh, I wound up years later going to Philadelphia. And I got to Philadelphia, and I, I walked around, and I knew everything. I had never been to the city before. I, oh. I knew South Philly. And uh, when I had some free time, and I was working with the Defense Department on the south side, Okay. I, I went to the Italian market. They were rocking down, which is a cool place. <laughs> and then I, I walked from there all the way downtown to Center okay. City. And my Italian friends, or everybody in the in Defense Department who's civilian is Italian. They're recruited from uh, all, all the, the high schools, and, and they all know each other. Everybody's name is either Joe or Dominic, all the guys. you know. So if you yell Joe, 20 guys are going to raise their hand. Uh, <laughs> I walked downtown, and my buddy Joe, he he, he says, uh, you walked? He said, you went through some neighborhoods. You know, they they, they were dangerous. And, and I, I said, I just didn't feel that way, Joe. I, I said, uh, in fact, I, there was a corner store, and I stopped. And in the old days, in my day in Chicago, you could go in the corner store, and they would maybe make you a sandwich, have a deli. Mm-hmm. And this one did. So I said, make me a bologna sandwich. And, and I bought a cold Pepsi, and I sat on the stoop outside on the stairs, and I had a sandwich and a Pepsi and continued my walk. I knew that freaking city. I mean, I knew it like the back of my hand. I had never been there before. Oh, man. So how do you you explain that? You can't. I mean, you can't. That one, you can't. You you absolutely can't explain it. I can't explain that one. I had a case here, uh, and... You talk about reincarnation. I believe, too. I didn't at first, but after this case I had, I do. The boy distinctively remembers drowning, the house, the color, the shape, what it looked like, uh, what his parents looked like, what happened to him. He was killed, by the way. He was drowned in a pool. Um, Okay. How do you describe something at nine years old that there's no way you're anywhere near it, you know, nothing? Um, well, to, to, yeah, you, you that, know, that was disturbing. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, to me, it's obvious because you, you, we, we all see them. Some of them are on YouTube where you see a, a three or four year old yeah. playing Brahms on a piano. You know, that's impossible. Yeah, you know, that's, how, that's how incredible. Play I think music? that's the most incredible thing when you see that. It blows my mind. It blows my mind when I watch like it's, something like that. Yeah, it, it's not spontaneous, you know, a spontaneous miracle. It's leftover memories, you know, yeah. is what it is. I and, do. Uh, good, good point on that, Ed. I, I want to bring this up. That, think about this. 
all your DNA is passed down through your family. I mean, it just think of this kid's picking up something from a past, a past, uh, past person. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but then, but then, you know, it, that's a, it's a it's a great and logical explanation. But the problem is that wouldn't you easily inherit the basic knowledge? You know, no, I mean, why, why can't why why can't we count from one to a hundred when we're one years old? You know, or, or why why can't we read I immediately? Yeah, I was chewing green crayons at that age. <laughs> if I can interject, there are some of the times when I've sat with clients and spoke with them, they've asked me about reincarnation and all those questions. And I said, you know, if you were to ask my opinion as a medium, what I've seen in my lane of work, a lot of people do come back, and some of them, they don't have those memories, but there will be an event where it can trigger a memory. Something even when you're 30 and you go to the, you know, the fairgrounds, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you're there and you feel like, oh, my God, you know, I can feel like if we were back in 1880s and this was here, you know. So sometimes things like that can be triggered by just simple events. I agree and, with yeah. that. And I, I, agree, I agree with that. Born with hey, the guys, whole family. I, I got to share something here that definitely is not very normal, but oh, my God. What? I'm probably going to get, oh, I'm gonna get chewed out for this one. Go ahead. Uh, I've got a doll. It's a Tickle Me Elmo doll, and there's a story, several stories behind the doll that are actually true. I swear. Um, recently, my wife had taken the doll and put it on the the top of the couch. We have a high back couch, and I thought she took the batteries out, but no, she didn't. So. You know, I've wondered how my doll makes noises sometimes, you know, at night and stuff, and I just found the culprit. Oh, my God. There goes my paranormal story right to hell. Edwin Kelly, everybody listening. I have a little, I have a little mini pin. You know, I don't put a whole lot of weight into people who tell me they have haunted dolls and stuff, not to say that it can't happen, but my experience well, is that once, too, happened. We had a Tickle Me Elmo my nephew was about two, and he put it in the bathtub, and so, you know, it's damaged. My sister had taken the batteries out, and a fear that the kids would put the batteries back in, she cut the whole, you know, the little compartment you put battery in? She cut it right out. Well, weeks later, we're downstairs in the basement, and we're going through the kids' toy bin, and does it not go off? I mean, I was like, there's got to be a compartment in the background, yeah, background battery or something, you know? Yeah, that would be yeah, crazy. That's crazy. What, happened, what happened with my doll here, um, I'm, I'm standing in the kitchen because that's where I get the best reception on this phone that I'm using. And I hear the doll, you know, it's... You know, oh, it's my like, God, Evan, are you serious to have that Elmo doll? Yeah, so I've got the doll, and so I'm looking over on the couch... Oh, my God, my dog is hooking the hell out of the animal doll on the couch. Oh, you're creeping me out. The <laughs> doll is going crazy because, you know, when you move it, it vibrates and laughs. I'm like, oh, my God. So that means that since I've had this dog, apparently this dog has been doing that. I never knew. I've never caught her doing it or anything. Oh, oh my God. I'm like, you know, you've got to be kidding me. You hear this? I don't, he's got the Elmo doll on after I tell him about my Elmo story. <laughs> Wait, oh. I know it's not paranormal, it's bizarre, and it's not right. But again, this happens to be beyond reality, paranormal talk radio. Where pretty much everything goes, apparently. 
Uh, well, <laughs> and not to change the subject because that was pretty strange. Yes, it was. Well, that's uh, a very common occurrence. You know, I, I have young kids at the house, and we have toys in the backyard that have been rained on. The batteries are dead. And at night, sometimes when I come outside to smoke, they're they're going off. And this is a great time to ask Edwin this question. Yes. Mm. You ready, Edwin? Yes. <laughs> in your book, True Haunting, in the beginning, which is brilliant, by the way, you know, it's I, I learned so much from this book. Thank but you. in the beginning, you were very agitated and angry um, at at the presence in your home, and then you began to take a different approach, in that you were less confrontational. And I was just wondering for people who are experiencing maybe for the first time a haunting in their home, um, how how did that? shift work for you and what would you suggest to someone who is just beginning to I mean, my my home is very very haunted it's 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 nothing for things to fly off the walls and, and things like that in the beginning i was very confrontational i was angry and it, yeah I that know, just that, yeah. that just feeds it that that feeds it i mean i have to give credit to the uh the, the reverend daryl davis and and uh, minister Psychic Joe DeLuise, because they basically tempered my behavior. They basically said, "Shame on you! You're doing it wrong. Uh, you got to face these things with compassion, with prayer." And, and they changed my behavior. I I have to uh, advise people a lot because people write me and they'll ask me. They don't have you know dramatic things, but I'll get an email from a woman who says, "My closet door, you know, I, I, regardless of when I close it in the morning, it's wide open and my clothes are shifted." And all I do is ask her, does it scare you? And and if she responds, no, it's just puzzling, I tell her, don't mess with it, you know, because uh, much like you in your house, if you try to eliminate, most ghosts are benign. They're not going to hurt you, but they will go through, they will go through whatever they want to go through. So it could be opening a cabinet door, it could be walking the hall at night, whatever it is. If you try to eliminate that activity, like I did as a, as a dumb young man, once you do one thing and you eliminate it, you're going to cause them to do another. So therefore, you're saying it's not. I looked at. I just watched that show again, and I've probably seen this thing like 50 times now on cable on demand. It was the tennis. I'm like, all right, gotta watch it. <laughs> and they always portray you, and I don't like the way they portrayed you. I got a little like snippy about. That I'm like they portrayed you as like an angry young man, and well, I, and that's I, I and I don't see that as a fully proper portrayal, and I know it's television. Well, so yeah, actually, well, Kurt, I, I turned into one. What it, that house okay. made me, it it had different effects on different people. Okay, uh, you know, especially once I met Dan White, and he gave me what he experienced. I was just floored. Okay. You know, which is why True Hunting 2 was written. Oh, yeah. But, no, I wasn't an angry young man. I was a very optimistic, positive young man at the beginning. Okay. But in the end, I was an angry young man. And uh, yeah. when I wrote True Haunting 2, I mean, Marsha brought up something that I'd completely forgotten. I had, uh, I was a musician professionally, and that's how I met her. And I had a guitar, a, a real nice, it wasn't expensive, but it was a nice guitar. It was my only guitar. And she said, you know, do you remember the night you flew into a rage and you broke your guitar? 
And I said, no. And she said, uh, do you remember what happened to your guitar? And I thought back, and I thought, son of a gun. I, I became full of rage, and I, I lived in rage. Anybody, I mean, I could tell you some things I can't even say over the phone because I, I broke yeah. the law. Uh, you know, I had a neighbor that parked in front of my house, and he, he peed me off, and what I did was totally illegal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even my sister, my sister said, well, are you crazy, you know? But I, I took my guitar, and I just demolished it and in, in, uh, rage and, uh, that's the effect that it had on me. I became angry, full of despair. But they started you as that way. Like when Marsha, when the phone wasn't being picked up because it got knocked off. You know, it's it's just the portrayal. And I know it's TV. And I'm, you know, it, it, had, you and I have discussed this a million times anyway. But, but uh, it, 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 it was true. I mean, at the basis it was true because what happened okay. was when we first bought the place, once the phone was installed, which was a big deal in those years, you couldn't yeah. own a phone, you know. So yeah, you had a call, make an appointment, and they, you know, well, I, I called home from work, and it's busy. And I called again, and I called again. By the time I got home, she was facing a volcano, you know. I came in, and you know, what the hell, you've been on the phone all day, you know. And, and uh, you, you know, people have written me, and they say, well, doesn't the phone go, eh, 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 eh. In those years, you had switchboard operators. Yeah. Uh, so what would okay. happen is if, if the phone was off the hook, they'd give you an er, 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 and then they'd pull the plug. Yep. So when you found your phone, it would be dead silent. You'd put it back on the hook, and then you had to wait maybe five minutes before they and realized, it caused, you know. it was causing you two to fight. Oh, did it? Yeah, did it ever. I mean, and that's how, that's how these things work. And, of course, it's my domain, so I'm in denial. And Marsha would say this happened, and I'd say, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe it, you know. <laughs> and, you know, in the book, I, I was honest. A, couple, a number of women, I, I love the women in the U.K. because when they write me, they really chop, chop me to pieces. Uh, one called me an objectionable young man, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've never heard that story before. <laughs> <laughs> but... But, but, you know, I, I, I thought, well, the, you know, my wife just had a baby. Women go have chemistry changes and all this. And, you know, I, I figured she's going a little wacko uh, chemi chemistry-wise. Mm -hmm. And that was my thought at the time. It was like, no, we don't have any ghosts. Well, I'm doing an audio book now, so I'm putting in a lot of great commentary. Because all the feelings that I felt when I toured the building, the goosebumps and all that stuff, were familiar to me. I grew up in, in dank basements, living with my father. Mm -hmm. We were poverty-stricken. There was nothing I felt when I walked through Campbell Street that I hadn't felt before. I felt cold rooms. I always got had goosebumps when I was a child. Uh, you know, I felt you always feel like someone staring at you. None of these feelings were foreign. Now, today, I'm aware of them. When, if I go out to buy a house, I'm very aware of, you know, from ringing in the ears to goosebumps to hot flashes to all the different things. But as, as a young man, it was like, you know, I, I never lived in a home. I, I had never lived in a home. We always lived in crappy apartments. And uh, so, yeah, I wasn't used to any of that. And, and Marcia was, you know, she was sensitive. So she didn't understand why I didn't think any of this stuff was significant. And uh, it was just my ignorance of, of the paranormal in general. But my attitude changed. It was actually the reverend and the psychic that uh, 
you know, basically slapped me and said, you know, wake, wake up, buddy, you're, you're aggravating the situation. Uh, so I started yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. And, and, and the blender, the blender, did that? Oh, the mixer? Know, I, the mixer, yeah, yeah that, yes. that that would come off the wall. And, you know, it would go about maybe four feet and always land pretty much in the same place. And nothing, I think, I was shocked that my book was even read, much less, you know, would sell 40,000 copies. Uh, but but I wrote what we felt, you know, and true paranormal is not frightening. It, it can be frightening. I mean, uh, but if you're unaware of paranormal and it catches you, you know, it, it gets your curiosity. It can fill you with anxiety. You can be amazed, but you won't find the words horrific or terrified in my book. Uh, right. You know, it, it, it's not like uh, the boogeyman came out and, and, and uh, you know, something would happen, and it's much like the cabinet door. I found out it was defying gravity when it opened. It was opening against gravity. That just puzzled me. It was like, how the hell can it do that? You know, I mean, that's how I looked at it as a young man. And, right. And, and, and you know, you, you can tell from the book, and I did a lot of other things where I decided, you know, if, if Marsha wanted the cabinet closed, I'll just put a good latch on it, and that's the end of that. Uh, you know, I'll put a steel plug a steel plug in the bathtub, and that's the end of that. But all I was doing, I was creating more activity. Yeah, and then there was a, there was a moment in your book where you actually started hanging up the phone very gently. And just, I think that was like a turning moment because you, you, you realize that, you know, we're going to have to coexist. And it's almost like you had empathy at that moment. After you, moment. Well, that was, that was thank you to my, to, 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 to the reverend and, and the psychic. I mean, in the end, I don't even know if it's in True Hunting One, but in the end, what I did is uh, move the phone into the kitchen. And we no longer had a problem. I, I put in a wall phone, the wall version, and that's when I started to believe that ghosts are have their own zones. So I, I knew that we had one entity in the kitchen that was sort of kinder. It would let us know it's there. It would flicker the lights. It would do all these things. Never tried to harm us. The one, once we crossed the threshold into the next room, we kind of knew that there was something darker. That That's what was terrorizing our pets. You know, our pets were content to be in the kitchen with us. But once we went to bed, once we went to bed, that's, you know, I lost two dogs. And uh, I never knew that Danny downstairs lost one. You know, he lost an Afghan. Uh, He only had, I think, three or four days, and he lost it. It it was terrorized. Right. Well, there's an issue, um, and and I've told Evan about this. It's kind of funny because, well, it just is funny. But... And there's nothing you can really do this about this because I cannot move the commode to another room. But when oh, I God. Oh, go God. Bathroom, yeah, when I go to the bathroom, only oh. me, only me, the lights go off. And no one else has experienced it, but I can see that, you know, my friend has a sense of humor. So, you know, I sit on the podium, I'm like, really? You, you <laughs> and it's you know it's funny, and so I you know I don't it, it doesn't make me angry in any way, but there's you know it's just let me know, hey. Well, that that it, that's what happened to Marsha. Once she was touched, she never went into that room with 
She went into the bathroom with the door closed again. So she'd wait till I got home and, and you know, take a bath or do her business or whatever. Uh, she never locked herself in the bathroom again. That was it. And, and uh, I, I, I never really felt the fear that, that a person can feel until we talked about it. And uh, I took her back to there. And uh, it was like, yeah, she was very afraid. And I never was really afraid. I was in despair. My whole world... You know, as a young man, I I, I I had a house. I was a landowner. I was proud. I figured I'm going to fix this place up. We're going to do all these great things. And it all just crashed down on me. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, and that, it was so real. And, you know, there's so many things in Hollywood right now that, you know, it, you go to see a movie and you know it's not true. But your book was so real and so helpful. And the, the crazy old woman, though, what happened to her? Do we know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she did wind up in an institution and she died there in uh, oh, ninety two. Yeah, she 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 was. Uh, I never figured out. You know, I mean, there were stupid things that I. It's much like uh, in in my book. I did. We did find a Ouija. I found a Ouija board in the closet, and it was well right. worn. I found no. I knew what a Ouija board was for. I thought it was a stupid game. I broke the thing up and threw it away. Um, never taking note of the fact that it was worn, okay, which meant that these people had used it. So, you know, when the, when the psychic got vibes and said, I, I, I've got to call an, an exorcist or a priest because I can't, he knew his limits, okay. I started to wonder, you know, afterward, after it was, and, and their exorcism failed. I mean, uh, you know, an exorcist had nothing to exercise, actually, and the psychic did communicate. I, I, in fact, I'm going to show some pictures on my site eventually. I Something Marcia has never known is I've, I kept, number one, one of Ben's little books from the shed. So I've got a little girly book uh, with Ben's name on it. And it's not his name ain't Ben. Uh, I got a holy water bottle that I'm not sure belonged to Daryl Davis or DeLuise, but it, it was old in 1969 and 70. Uh, I've got the safe deposit box key that where Joseph went into a trance and he he wound up communicating with an old woman who said she needed the number, she needed the key. I did find a safe deposit box key behind an old picture in the basement, and I, I've got that safe deposit box key. And uh, I also have the jar of bullets. I took a couple of major uh, calibers out of it, but I've got the, the actual bullet jar. Uh, so right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to print pictures of those and put them on my website. And, and uh, But you, you can't, you know, I, I don't know what to tell people. You know, I, I'm never out to make a person a believer. And, in fact, uh, I, I'm the reverse. When people call me and they say, how can I get involved in the paranormal? I tell them, don't. You know, don't. Don't get involved in the paranormal. It's much better to be ignorant. Because then you're not aware, you know, if something brushed against you and in, 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 in you're somewhere and there's nothing there, you don't you don't attribute it to anything. You attribute it to, oh, I just felt something strange. You know, if the candle flickers or the drapes move, you don't, you're not aware of it, you don't care. If you're a paraholic like I am, okay, I'm aware of everything. Uh, you, you know, you become aware of everything. And it's a vision that you don't want. It's much like you as a medium. 
you you come in contact with stuff that I'm sure you'd rather not do. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, to be honest, the paranormal is not a game, and I hate to see people, you know, out there treating it as one. It, it's serious business. You go to forces you cannot comprehend until it happens to you, and then it may be just too late. Um, sometimes I've even questioned the things that I've done in the paranormal investigations that I've been on. I mean, I, I did that one case in Jervis that was a nasty case for sure. Um, just that I've had three strokes, two eye strokes, and a, and, and a stroke uh, in my right arm, and it just makes you wonder, you know, how susceptible to these things are you? And it's not something that might happen right on the spot. It may not happen for years or months or days. There's no time limit. Um, you know, you may walk out of there feeling pretty damn good and think you accomplished something, and and you just don't know. So there are extreme dangers in it. And, and uh, my message today for those listening uh, is to take, take this, you know, if, you're, if you have to go out there and do what you do, the paranormal, you know, you make damn sure that you know what you're doing, you know. Um, get with qualified people, and there are qualified people. There are exorcist people out there. Um, there are people that have studied the paranormal for a long, long time. Um, and so, you know, get educated. Just don't jump into these things and make sure that you understand the consequences that you can possibly uh, come up, you know, against. <clears throat> And it, it's the things that I'm seeing out there, murders and murder-suicides and uh, domestic violence and, and people going into actual insane asylums, mental hospitals, uh, people that are being plagued with, with one illness after another or mysterious tragedies that happen in locations. Uh, there are so many things that I've been seeing and I've been writing about these in the paper for some time. So there's no question. It's not it's undeniable that there's a link somewhere between, you know, being involved with paranormal and putting yourself at some sort of risk. Uh, there, there's no doubt of that. I mean, to me, there, there's no doubt of that. that. That happens. I mean, at the very least, uh, mm-hmm. it'll it'll make you destroyed relationships. Uh, I mean, how many husbands and wives have you known that that have split up uh, that were involved in paranormal? Yeah, many. Yeah, uh, countless, you know, countless. Countless. (laughs) I can speak of my own account. I've had where one instance I was given a native drum that had an attachment to it, and it took me a couple of months to get some dealers here to clean it, but... My husband and I, we were at Splits End, and we've been together 16 years, and I had to keep reminding him, you know, it's not us. It's the energy that's here. And as much cleansing as you can do, there's no real professional out there that can say, I can do it 100%. I mean, they can try, but to each person, it's a different experience. It's a different – it can affect you in so many different ways, even from the smallest things to the biggest things, and it definitely can ruin relationships. That's why when I do the work that I'm doing – I'm ever so careful, and I have to make it very clear. I know my limitations, you know. If there's something that needs to be done, depending on how it is, I can do very little. You have to call reinforcements, someone else that does that kind of work, you know. Yeah, oh, that's I know. Just a big, 
I stay the hell away. Question. Yeah. I was going to say the big question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the big question at the end of the day is what have we learned from other people's experiences? And I think that any time that newbies go into a location, they really need to read, especially your book and, and other people who have been through it, you know, your pioneers in the field. You, you, your case was the first one that was really ever televised. And it kind of brought light to it. So I think that what you have learned and what you've written about is what people need to follow. We need to learn from each other. I I I, uh, I, I get angry at, at at what the media has done. I I just uh, cut off movie commun- uh, uh, negotiations. So I, I was in a, uh, a movie option agreement, two different agreements for the last three years. Because uh, I demand that I get the right of, of, of uh, refusal. So what that means is if I don't approve of something, they can't use it. All right. Well, that creates a problem for a movie company because it costs like a half a million dollars to have a, a screenplay done. So they have to give me a synopsis of what they're going to do. And it took two years before they came up with the first synopsis that I said, okay, okay. Uh, because they wanted to add stuff, and and they have nobody to talk to that knows anything about paranormal. So what they have is a bunch of creative guys who basically come up with stuff that's ne- you know, especially if it's never been done. You know, let's do this because it's never been done, and it's like no, you're, you it, that didn't happen. It, it's it, it you know, you, you have to give them some ability. But they came up with, you know, absurd crap, and uh, I'm an old guy. And I, I'm, I'm an old guy, and it's either byway or the highway. You know? I, I mean, I, do, I just don't give a crap. So uh, I don't need a car. I don't need jewelry. I really, you know, any money I get, it's going to go to my kids or my grandchildren. Uh, yeah. So it's like I just want this is going to be my legacy. So no, you know, you're, you're not going to do this, and you're not going to do that. And in one case, they had a raccoon attacking my face. And, and I told him, I said, you know, there's no raccoons in Chicago. They they were eaten like a hundred years ago. Uh, I've ne- I've never seen a raccoon in Chicago. They got rats as big as raccoons, but they don't have any. You, you know, and, and movie companies, they just, uh, you know, what they did to the Warrens is heartbreaking to me as a writer because they didn't even give Ed Warren any writing credit at the end of the movie. I I, I mean nothing and. Uh, I know exactly which contract they signed because they give it to you in stages. They try, you know, if you're an idiot, they give you contract number one, and that gives them the right to do anything and, and with your name, your personality, the book. Uh, you don't sign that one, you know. So. Yeah, and that's why your story is so awesome. You know, it, my kids go to the movies, and they see horrific, horrible Hollywood movies but there's not been one, and, and this is why I respect you so much that you held out for the truth. And I think true haunting was a, you know, excellent choice because this is a I, true haunting. These are the facts. And I mean, I had to do paranormal me. witness because my grandkids they they, they would have uh, disowned me because they love sci-fi. I don't have cable, <laughs> so I don't I don't see any of this crap. I got 24 free channels, so I'm happy. Uh, but we did sci-fi, and I worked with a director named Mark Lewis. 
who I uh, he's 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 holding an email from me, and I told him if he has a you know if their movie company ever wants to do the movie, and they can make it a quote unquote box office movie. So I really at this point I don't want to do anything that's just going to be limited to cable. Uh, I said I'll sign it. You know it's not a question of money because uh, Mark Lewis worked with me on that episode. He got me to understand that, hey, I can't do the whole book in 64 minutes, a 90-minute program, which is actually 64 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, But he, he worked with me on every compromise, so there, there wasn't much in there that surprised me. Uh, you know, and, and some of it you know, was kind of tear-jerking. It's like, oh, man, you know, my, my sister had kids. My sister had a husband. She wasn't the innocent college girl like you're portraying, you know, but it's TV, you know, and it's entertainment. It's not a documentary. Uh, but just uh, just a few months ago, I just let uh, they sent me a renewal on the movie option, and I just basically didn't sign it. I, I said I'm done. Uh, well, I, don't blame, I don't blame you, Edwin. You know, you, you want to make you want to make it right. You want it to be the way it is, and and that's the right thing to do. Hey, I want to take a minute to introduce Sherry Schuert, who's been in queue here for a while, and I had, she's been listening the whole time, and I just want her to pop in queue real quick here so she can get on, too. Sherry, welcome to Beyond Reality Panel. We'll talk later. How are you? Okay, she's not answering, so that's okay. She was listening, and then she was going to pop in and out because they were kids, so that's okay. Um, hey, you know, uh, it's about that time to end this segment. We keep it kind of short, about an hour and a half or thereabouts. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Edwin, and just kind of having a good time. And um, I want to say thanks to Kurt. You're welcome. For coming on and, and sharing with us and Kelly Griffin and our psychic friend in there as well. Um, you know, and this is Beyond Reality Panel Talk Radio, where all things are discussed, and we have a good time, and a little laughter here and there, and, and a little fun, and, and keeping it on the right side as well is, a, is an important thing. And again, Edwin, if you could just tell people that are listening and who will be listening to the archive links, if you can tell them where to find your books... Because you've written several really, really good books, not just True Hunting. They're they're outstanding. I mean, you are best well, there, no doubt. They're, they're Byron, Byron's yeah. a no, Noble, Amazon, uh, and uh, you can always come to edwinbecker dot com or even truehaunting.com. True Hunting has its own website, uh, cool. and, and they're out there. And I priced them. I, I priced them right for the Kindle users. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of I'm proud of True Haunting. It's the uh, the only ghost story in Amazon history that's gone over 600 reviews. I just want to say thank you for that because you know what? With the True Haunting, diversely different from all the copycat stuff you see out there, where it gives you a real taste of reality and it's appreciated. So thank you for sharing your story with us. I I I, I thank you for the compliment. Uh, the truth The truth of the matter is. I, I never wanted it published. I gave it to my daughter under her name, and uh, I'm not a techie, so she gets a flash drive with a manuscript, and I put the manuscript in her name. I said, I don't want any part of the paranormal, Right. and and she didn't listen to me. And uh, Well, she did good. <laughs> I, was, I was really angry yeah. until it went to number one and stayed there, and it was like, oh, boy. 
you know, I, I was shocked because there's nothing in it that, uh, you know, that no dancing dolls and none of that crap. That, that uh, it's it's sort of a handbook of what paranormal can do, actually. But that's what makes it so riveting is because it's so truthful. It's so raw and real. And that's what people aren't used to anymore. They're so used to this Hollywood stuff that you just don't get that anymore. So when you get something that's as realistic as this, I mean, it's a real gem. It's no surprise it's at number one for so long. Well, I'm falling in love with you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> baby, 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 talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, media and making it into things. You know how many times I get called into cases and I walk in and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, you know, like again, like I said earlier, what were you watching for the last six months, you know? So it's refreshing to have some real reality there. I, I get emails like that where they describe the action in their house and they're describing something where I can identify the movie that it was in. <laughs> <laughs> Experts from movies on title. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. Last minute, uh, it was a pure pleasure to have it, you know, to have you on, and it's always an honor to have you on. Um, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I made some new friends, and uh, you know, for everybody listening, and, and uh, for my new friends here on, on Talk Show, God bless you all. You too. All right. God bless. Be well. Stay informed. Stay in tune, and keep listening to Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio with your host Evan Jensen, Jan Reynolds, and of course Kelly Griffin. Without everybody, good night. Be well. God bless. Be good at all you do, and enjoy the paranormal for what it has to offer. Take care, and good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.